Welcome to Stalking Development, the podcast where two media strategy nerds dissect what's developing in the world of entertainment. I'm your co-host, Eitan, and I'm joined as always by Carl. Hey, Carl, how are you doing? It's been two weeks. At least two weeks, two and a half? Yeah, it's two and a half, three weeks. It's been a while since you and I have spoken. A little less of a while since we've been in your ears. But yeah, welcome back to the States. I hope you had a Thank you. Restorative vacation. It was very nice. On the on the on our topic and our world, it was just a reminder. I think I've talked about this in the podcast, but every time I'm talking with somebody new and I tell them that I'm that I host a podcast and I say the name of a podcast, I apparently say stock as a stock, like a share, mm-hmm. stock in development. And when people tell me how I should say stock in development. I don't understand what I do wrong. And I'm so it was just one of those vacations where it was a reminder that I can't apparently pronounce the name of our podcast correctly. Well, it also doesn't help that you are your accent hails from another continent of half the people that you're speaking to about this as well in a language that might Same not be continent. people's native. Oh, in Europe? Got yeah. It. Yes, at least. Yes. Yes. There were a lot of Canadians, to be fair. Okay, where cool. this mostly came from. Um, but yeah, so, Carl, every time I do the intro, you can do it live. Can you can you help me pronounce the podcast name correctly, please? Yes. I mean it in a, in a good way. I, I, should, I really should learn this. We will do, a, we will do about 80 takes next time, and uh, we should just do it on the time you're editing so you can choose the best one. Or actually, I guess I have to choose the best one. Uh, okay, yeah, we'll work on it. Uh... <laughs> I can just be like, welcome to stock, 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 stock development. That's great. I have the I have a different problem with our name, which is people don't know what stock in development means in terms of a media term. It's like kind of too inside baseball, which is why it was a good name because it wasn't taken. But like I have to explain it, and it's not that hard to explain. But so we can just say that's the reason why people should exactly. So they know. No, Maybe we should just have like a, a little thirty-second disclaimer of how to pronounce the name and also what it means <laughs> at it the mean? beginning of every episode. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's pretty great. That's gonna make so intro very long. Anyway, on the uh, on, on our show's premise about dissecting what's developing in the world of entertainment, we have a lot of dissecting to do and a lot of catching up. <laughs> Yeah, so like you mentioned, I was out of the country for two weeks, relatively disconnected. Of course, you're never disconnected in this day and age, but relatively disconnected from everything that's happened. So we thought this would be a good opportunity to do kind of a catch-up for me, if you will. Of course, I've seen some topics, but we haven't talked about them, but I'm sure I missed a lot. So this will be one of those many, many topic uh, episodes. It will be, and... and as always, with the exception of maybe one of these topics, we could probably dedicate an entire episode to each of these, but we're not going to. Yes, no. But I think we probably... Well, where do you want to start? Because I think there is a polka, there is a, one of these topics that is very close to our hearts. I one think we start favorite. with that, yes. Okay, I think we should start with movie pass. Hmm. Hmm. Because, because movie exactly, it's like a warm, fuzzy <laughs> feeling, right? Um, for all of the all of, all of you who haven't listened, we have a great the in depth episode about the story of Movie Pass, both as a company and your story with it, my story with it, and of course Alex's story with it. She was a guest for that episode. Yeah, uh, we talked about how we we were supposed to get Movie Pass pajama pants. Did didn't we? Yeah, we, we looked at merch and or just Redbubble, and we never did. That was when we assumed that this brand was dead forever and never coming back. It's debatable whether it should have come back, but it's back. You and I both set alarms, me for six in the morning and you for, I have no idea, but you were on vacation in another country. Yes. To... I think it was 4 p.m. Okay. A little more reasonable, but again, you're on vacation in a foreign country. To sign up for the waitlist for MoviePass version 
I'd say 2.0, but they went through like six ter- increasingly worse iterations towards the end there. But yeah, Movie Pass 2. It's here. Yeah. So it's here, but also not with a lot of information. So what do we know? What we know is that the original founder of Movie Pass, Stacy Spikes, who started Movie Pass when Movie Pass was around, I think, like 20 or $25 per month for the service before it was bought by the the company that I'm a shareholder of, Helios and Matheson, who brought, you know, famously appointed Mitch Lowe CEO, brought the price down to $10 and basically killed the company, while making it along the way a darling of stock in development and you and my life between, what was it, 2016 and 2018, probably. And basically what happened last week is that, like you mentioned, they opened the waitlist for their quote-unquote new version, new iteration, the all we know is that the debit card is going to be black instead of red <laughs> life changing <laughs> and that there is going to be three tiers priced at 10 20 and 30 dollars it's unclear what each one is going to include it's unclear how many passes it's unclear if it's going to be the same system it's unclear how many theaters might work and probably my biggest worry where i would love your thoughts on is that it it felt exactly like MoviePass felt for those two years where it was $10. In terms of like bad communication, the website crashed, the FAQ said different information than the website did. It said things like, oh, we'll decide which markets based on who signs up for the yeah. for the um, for the waitlist. But anyway, all things that I guess makes it fun for us to be on the ride. But how how was your experience? Yeah, what was your reaction going through it? Look, I any press I see about this that's like not Twitter is it's like if I read anything on like The Verge or Reddit or whatever, all the people in the comments are are people saying this company's doomed to fail, blah blah blah, or why would I waste money going to the theater when I have a perfectly good theater set up at home, whatever. Nah. This, this company is not for you. This company is if you want to watch a train crash in slow motion again. Like, that's all this is. Aton and I are not at all bullish on the future of this company. The model still doesn't make any sense, except for vaguely, like, there's some ad tracking platform they've been working on and demoed. But again, we have no information here. Like you said, the pricing tiers are $10, $20, or $30, but also might scale based on market, and we have no idea what that is, but let's ground it to $10 a month. I, You and I would both expect that for $10 a month, we would get w- at least one movie ticket, which is cheaper than uh, one movie ticket in our yeah. markets of Boston and San Francisco. So therefore, it is a, yeah. it is a profit loss for any amount of usage of this service. Yes. Beyond that, the problem with MoviePass originally, whenever they lowered it to $10, was they got it flooded. They couldn't react to any customer complaints. They couldn't be agile. They couldn't do anything without irritating a lot of people. But they also had this many people burning their cash. And they said that they're gonna, they have a rolling wait list to prevent this. And like you said, they're going to focus on strategic areas first. But they announced last week that there were 463,000 signups. In the first 24 hours. Oh my god. Including you and me. Including us. Say, after fighting with the website, you did it way earlier than, than I did, but including us. And Alex is on there. Uh, my friend Hannah is on there. Who else was doing it? Uh, Lily, Alex's friend. Mm-hmm. Uh, did Ariella sign up again, or was it just you? She, she was just like, you do research, you let me know when we know what the prices are for. I was like, sure, fine. <laughs> well, it doesn't matter if she did, because everyone who signs up gets 10 invites to the service, as promised by the copy. So that means that immediately, without any sort of scaled network effects, if every person from this waitlist got on the app immediately, you could have up to 4.6 million users all burning cash left and right. Like, there's no way this continues to operate under the old model unless they make drastic changes to the model. But based on the fact that we know nothing, it means that no distributors, no studios, no theater chains, nobody has 
made any sort of actual deal with this company because we've already heard about it by now. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And it's so exciting. It's I so think, beautiful. Your, I, I can't it's, wait. It's so great. <laughs> yeah, because the biggest thing is that it provides such a great opportunity. First of all, like you mentioned, it's it's a train crashing in slow motion, which we love. It's fantastic. Yeah. But also because it provides such a great, um, you know, test case for what does a business model for a movie theater looks like in terms of, you know, AMC and Regal. Well, Regal filed bankruptcy because that's a different conversation. But, right, the money for the theaters today is not on the tickets. It's yeah. on what you buy when you go. So the AMC has their AMC uh, A-list, which we're a member of, where they lose a ton of money. But they make it up somewhere else. So, you know, MoviePass, like you mentioned, whether it's an ad platform or before they said they were going to use the data to produce movies, they produce one movie. There has to be something where they said, okay, if I get here somewhere, you know, the theory in a page says AMC and all the theaters should accept me because I'm going to pay them the same amount that a ticket costs to them. I'm going to lose money. But I need a way to make money somewhere else. And... If at worst, this is just another way of trying how to make cross-company uh, subscriptions or uh, an aggregator for independent theaters or figuring out a different way of a data play or whatever, I'm, uh, try it. Go for it. In the meantime, it's great content for both of us. The sort of company that would make sense here would be, in terms of a business model, would be like a company like Adam, where, or to a a lesser but wider extent, Fandango. Fandango is like mm -hmm. part of the Walmart ecosystem now. It's like a whole other thing. But I, I don't want to dig into Fandango. But but Adam essentially is a loyalty program. They will offer you free tickets based on your usage of it. They offer really flexible seat returns, refunds, whatnot. More flexible than most theater chains. And in ex exchange, they get to be the tech stack for most of these theater chains and take the convenience fee that almost all of these, these chains take anyway. So they're just scooping $2 off of every transaction and offering a kind of data warehouse cross theaters. Okay, that makes sense. That's a scalable business model. But this, the theater chains don't really have any buy-in. That was always kind of the vague promise. One, you know, one of my favorite things is companies that promise that data will be valuable one day. It won't. <laughs> uh, and so they're they're not giving any data to anybody else. They're not sharing any data. They're keeping it all in the house. But they're also not really processing any transactions except like after the fact. It's more like an FSA or something. It's a very bizarre system that cannot possibly be financially lucrative in a vacuum by itself. There has to be some sort of integration or arbitrage it's committing in the market and it, i just don't see where it possibly is yeah and i think the biggest thing is what you what you just said which is it has to come from a place that it's a little more different and you mentioned adam those other things fandango those other things and you know whether the future of movie pass is like is there something they could do by merging or like imagine if letterboxd had an appendage that is like oh we have this subscription for you to go yeah. And we have the information of what you see and what you like and what you review, whatever. I don't know. Not because of the data, but just we have this social ecosystem, whatever. And it feels like it's going to come from something like that more than what, exactly what you said. More than from, a, oh, we're going to have the data to do an ad platform. Where are you going to advertise? In the credit card? <laughs> That's why it's black. It's actually just an OLED display, you know. Exactly. You flip it over. That'd be cool. Your, to your point, we are starting to see that. Like, Mubi is testing that feature in, I think, the New York and London markets, where part of your Mubi subscription, you get discounted or free tickets to certain art houses for certain screenings. But that's that makes sense because they're not funding you to go to a, they're not funding you to go to an AMC at twice the ticket price of your local rep cinema to see any movie at any time with any sort of like feature set in terms of technology. They're sponsoring specific screenings at specific movie that theaters that have a an overlap in brand with movie. It's mutually beneficial. It makes sense. 
It's bespoke small deals. I just, there's no way you can scale this from the top down and that's what they're trying to do. Yeah. yeah. We'll see. We're very happy. We'll keep everyone posted. I guess we're going to have a movie pass Quibi. A movie pass movie pass every week. Yeah, the movie. Forgot about the the Quibi Quibi. Yeah, it's been a minute. And the Mandalorian Mandalorian. Now it's the movie pass movie pass. (laughs) Well, anyway. Speaking of business models that we've always loved talking about uh, and also have never really quite figured out how they're going to make money, let's touch on Netflix for a second. So, What is that? Yes. They announced their... Or they didn't announce... There's reports coming out about what the pricing is for their Mm ad-supported plan. So keep in mind, their current plan is like $15 to $19 a month. It's at the top of the chain in in terms of every major SVOD out there. It is the most expensive service for the most part of the major ones. The reports are coming out that they're looking at pricing the ad-supported model between 7 to 9 a month. How does that land on you? That seems very natural. I don't remember if we talked before we left, but Disney basically came out with the same where their price for Disney Plus with ads is going to be what Disney Plus without ads is today, which was $7.99, and they're going to have the other one at, I think, 12 or 13 And it seems like all of these services are landing in, in that in that range, HBO Max is landing in a similar place. The one thing that surprised me is that these these services seem to be landing there with this number. I think Netflix and HBO Max have said that they're going to start at four minutes of advertising per hour. That it's significantly lower than like we talked about the ten dollars in ARPU that Hulu has per month. Yeah. I think Hulu has like a traditional TV numbers almost. It's like ten or twelve minutes per hour so three times so i mean again they're starting but um it seems a bit expensive and the only place where i come from is that this seems to be this seemed sorry to me to be volume place right it was we're going to capture the lower end of the market who haven't signed up and if we're going to start cracking on passwords and whatever we want to give people a fallback but also we need volume because we want to sell these audiences and, you know, whenever people are like, oh, the advertisers are salivating for Netflix's 250 million subscribers, like, dude, 250 million subscribers that pay $15 for the non-ads. Yeah. If they are going to salivate for something, you need 50 million on the subscriber one. You need a lot of people there. So uh, that's the only area where I, I thought they would start lower. Because if you want to kickstart this, it actually would make sense to start with volume. That surprised me. What about you? Yeah. Yeah, I don't want to belabor this point too much either because I think you and I are both right from a or you and I are on the same page of from a market perspective, this price makes sense. But to your point, this should be a volume play or at a minimum it should be a churn reduction play of instead of telling people this is the price for Netflix or you don't have it or hey, you your password sharing we're taking away your access, please subscribe for this much, they can offer an alternative. But I think, unfortunately, this is completely not based on any data whatsoever. This is just, just my gut feel. People have always treated Netflix like the default and a utility at a certain point. And sure. when you're a utility, it's like when I had Comcast and I was able to find out I was able to get fiber for a better price I told Comcast, hey, I'm leaving Comcast. And they offered me a contract that was much lower than my current contract. And I said, no, goodbye. Like, the the goodwill there is burned, I think, for a lot of people with Netflix, especially as they're looking at the content that's dwindling. And if they're making the, the decision to churn out from the default, they're probably making the decision to churn out, not churn down. That's just my gut there. Yeah, I can see that. And, and the other thing that also connected to me being on vacation is I'm surprised there's still no more creativity into how you price discriminate. And like one thing that I think Peacock did right 
hot heckler to Peacock did something right, mm-hmm. I think, is that it was able to differentiate its offerings beyond pricing and ads, which was by content. Like, Netflix could say there is a four ninety nine version of Netflix with ads that it's only Netflix originals. I, I'm, I'm just making it up. Yeah. Like, I don't know what yeah. how it looks like, but, like, just, just do something else different. If you want to capture this market and you want to go all the way down and you want to increase the volume, what are some of these other levels, levers? And we are still, you know, if, if the world is made of faces, the streaming world, it seems to be at the end of the, you know, content is king. Content will always be very, very important, but it's not going to be... It's becoming a little bit less important as a point for a differentiator where people are going to be able to be like, yeah, if I can get Paramount Plus for free because it has ads and something else, I'm going to have those too. Um, because so many of these have so many great content. I, I, that, I'm yeah. very tired. I'm still jet like That's not exactly right. But this seems to be kind of that last thing where it's like everyone is still being very precious about, oh, we don't discriminate on content. We don't separate with content. And we talked about these things like, why couldn't Netflix say, yeah, it's $4.99? And you get Netflix uh, originals two weeks after everyone else. Or uh, I have no idea. There just seems to be more levers that are not being pulled. It's kind of the less extortion feeling version of what you were talking about with with the Red Sox a few weeks ago. Where, like, have an option to unbundle the content if... If the world of content's already going to be so wacky and these licenses are going to be so fleeting, maybe just lock down certain content verticals that will be with your brand forever because you're not going to give them up. Yeah. You want to have an HBO Max that it's a little bit less, it's not going to have House of Dragons. Yeah. Or you're going to have to pay $3 a month only for House of Dragons, which is what Peacock did, right? It was literally only The Office. He was like the differentiator between one of the plans and... I think this is the last vestige. I'm making like a roller coaster no. sign with my hand of like before the next phase starts, it's this with the prices. And going back to my point about the vacation with Netflix is Netflix is awesome outside of the US. Yeah. Like I was in Switzerland and in Italy and it's insane because they don't have HBO Max and they don't have Peacock and they don't have any of these. I It felt like everything was there. Absolutely everything. So then when you see these numbers about, oh, they continue to grow internationally, it's like, yeah, well, of course, because nobody has launched in all of these other markets. And the second everyone starts getting there, then we're going to even start seeing Netflix slow down because truly it was amazing. Not only the obvious things like, you know, Better Call Saul, it's a quote-unquote Netflix original outside mm-hmm. of the U.S. It releases once a week at the same time as AMC. In, Netflix, in the U.S. it's not. They just had like so many movies. It was... Incredible. So many movies, so many TV shows. This goes back to what we've often said about Netflix, which is in terms of the game they're playing with streaming, it's bizarre that the investment markets looked at Netflix and said, yes, this is the future. This is makes the most financial sense for everyone. But in, in a world in which they did do that, they did everything correctly, including scaling yeah. up internationally. And they invest so much more in their platform and product and content abroad than everyone else does from a streaming first perspective and yeah makes total sense but to your point i don't see a world in which these companies don't expand globally and then therefore don't take their content back and netflix ends up in the same position unless they do something about their their content slate yeah yeah Uh so yeah, worth traveling abroad just for Netflix. <laughs> this this content discussion is actually a great segue into our wow this week. I was trying to do like a like dying Yoshi noise. I wasn't sure what I was doing there. Oh, Yoshi's like. Uh... <laughs> nah, that's okay. good. Yeah. good. So T-Mobile offers a host of deals on streaming service lineups, distribution, coupons, whatever. They have T-Mobile Tuesday promotions. They give their subscribers a lot to keep you on T-Mobile, including satellite phones now, apparently. That's a thing. You saw this, Oh, right? with Starlink. 
I yeah. saw that, right? Yeah. You, yeah, you yeah. get, like, essentially sub-3G coverage, but you get coverage, which is awesome. Anyway, one of the things they do is they offer very long streaming trials. So we just re-upped on our Apple TV Plus for a year for free without buying a new Apple device. So that's cool. But beyond that, we also got a free year of ad-supported Paramount Plus, which has been... Amazing. Something that was a catalyst for me sitting down and watching something I've been kind of intrigued by, which is Star Trek Strange New Worlds. Are you familiar with any of the new Star Trek shows? No. I want any of the primer. Are you familiar... Like, what's your Star Trek experience generally? Like, 10 seconds. Movies. Cool. New movies. I know cool. that uh, Sir Patrick Stewart used to play the captain in one of the iterations. That's it. You got it. Good job. <laughs> so... I've always been more aspirationally into Star Trek than into Star Trek. I love the 2009 J.J. Abrams movie. I think that was kind of totemic for most of us because it just kind of scratched a Star Wars itch, not because it was a Star Trek movie, let's be honest. And sure. with that, I've always found it kind of this weird sweet spot between Star Tre Star Wars and kind of like the Rod Sterling 50s morality teleplay thing, like Twilight Zone or whatnot. But it always felt like that. Always loved the original series. Never quite got into any of the series, but I've loved pretty much every of the movies I've seen. But Strange New Worlds just seemed to be a combination of really high budget, mm -hmm. of episodic, meaning like every episode is kind of self-contained instead of like Star Trek Discovery and Star Trek Picard, the two other major CBS All Access turned Paramount Plus shows are more kind of serialized full season arcs. Wait, wait. Uh, there is three different... Paramount Plus slash CVS streaming versions of Star Trek? There are. There is also one animated version. There's a host of like other Star Trek content on there. They have an entire Star Trek portfolio built out, which is very hyper-focused on Star Trek fans and cultivating them and or kind of bringing more people into the fold. The most successful element of Paramount Plus for my money, honestly. Their integration, they have live football. I continue to say Paramount Plus is very smart because they're bringing some of their deals. Maybe the ad-supported one doesn't, or only the in-market ones. Anyway, this is a tangent. I mean, this is not Start something I've been looking for. Beyond that, uh, I will say the app might be worse than HBO Max on my Apple TV, which is saying a lot. Like, anytime I pause it and come back to it, I basically have to restart the episode or, like, redo ads. It's awful. Wow. But that said, the show's great. I love it. it it's a direct prequel. I mean, as direct as anything can be uh, to the original series. It stars, it's uh, about Christopher Pike, Captain Kirk's predecessor. And mm -hmm. it's great. Scratches a Star Trek itch. It looks good. Just been vibing with it. It's great comfort for your TV. So highly recommend a show that I like, you know, just kind of always was like, yeah, that kind of looks good. <laughs> yeah. That's cool. What else have you watched in the last two weeks? Um, belabored too much. We've been we're current on what we do in the shadows. Great season so far. Are oh, you amazing? Caught up yet? Holy shit! The, the baby calling storyline. It's it's great. Is disturbing in a fascinating way. Um, Hon no, it's honestly, the, the thing that blows my mind is uh. It looks better than the weird, creepy, child-faced man in the movie Men. It's more effective, better, and just kind of all around more interesting than that movie. So, yeah, 100% love that. Of yeah. course, you've got... But however, Matt, amazing. how Matt Berry said New York City last week, you know? Oh, yeah. The New yeah. York City or whatever. New yeah. York City. It's one of those shows that is so magical because every... I would say every episode, I'm like, oh... Laszlo is my favorite, or yep, uh, sure. Nadja is my favorite, whatever. But it's actually like every time one of them has a line, I'm like, oh, this is my favorite. Oh, this is my favorite. Yep. Oh, this is my favorite. Like the four main characters are so incredible. The four of them, it's truly, truly fantastic. Firing and all cylinders. I the the rehearsal is truly one of the strangest seasons of television I've ever seen. It 
maybe the finale that's made me feel worse than any finale has ever made me feel except for Twin Peaks The Return. So compelling. Highly recommend it. Uh, and then on the yes, film front... I have it on my queue. I will recommend, of all things, Bodies, 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 the A24 horror thriller. Really loved it. Was not okay. expecting that. I thought I was just going to cringe throughout it and roll my eyes, but it was great. Loved it. Interesting. So what about you? I assume that you most of your consumption has been on planes, if, if at all. Yeah. Yeah, so I watched Sonic the Hedgehog 2. <laughs> Amazing. Okay. Sonic, just like Sonic the Hedgehog 1, which was also a movie for the plane. That's where I, I watched it, yes. Yes. Um, Ariella and I watched together yesterday, finally, House of Gucci. What an insane... I mean... There is, like, the obvious stuff that people have talked about. About It does feel like every character is acting in a different movie. Mm-hmm. And Jared Leto is, is, of course, the farthest. But, like, it really feels like everyone is in a different movie. Where you're like, what are you doing, Ridley Scott? But also... It feels like every 10 minutes of the movie are part of a different story. Like, the climax doesn't climax. The transition between where they're very happy to when they're getting divorced is, like, incredibly stark. And out of nowhere, suddenly he's the CEO of Gucci and you're like, wait, but 30 seconds ago he didn't want to go back. Like, the way he treats time is very strange. And, um, I don't know. I mean... Adam Driver and and uh, Lady Gaga are uh, they're very compelling, but the movie is a mess. Uh, uh, it's an interesting story. I'm glad I didn't know anything about the story because I was interested in like, oh, this is insane that this is how they run the company. But uh, House of Gucci, and then I needed three hours to kill yesterday, so I rewatched Avengers Endgame, and it's a movie that I mean, it's the second again most or the first highest grossing but it's going to be the second because avatar is coming back to theaters in like three weeks or yeah it depends on many metrics but yes but it's it's i mean i'm going to be preaching to the choir and no this is not a hot take at all but like what an utterly successful movie like it's how like i was like i was watching it i'm on the plane everyone is asleep and just like that, and I'm just really thinking like they did it, like they landed the freaking plane, they landed all the storylines, they hit all the notes. It's very good, and um, that was my my deep thought of the vacation was me rewatching Avengers Endgame and saying, oh, good job, this was actually fantastic, well done, Tim. Yeah, truly an artistic achievement, out of like 50 hours that were pretty devoid of art <laughs> i just don't you know so how they got there but they did it, it's it's Holy an shit. impressive movie <laughs> yeah it's, it's exactly and he's like oh how did we how did you and i now go to talk about praising avengers endgame but truly each of the stories each every single one of the stories lands and closes out so many things very good um and then the other thing that i watched in one of the towns that we were, it was raining a lot, and the Airbnb had Netflix, like I said. And we needed to watch something that we knew was short and that none of us were watching because we didn't have access to any of the things that we were actually watching. And the only thing that we watched was The Umbrella Academy, which we, Ariel and I are on the record not liking season one and season two. And we still watched season three, and we were like, this is, this is crap. Like, this is so bad. Like, Jeremy Slater or whoever was the name of the showrunner, the same guy that was the showrunner for Moon Knight, where it was like, this is insane. Like, this is this is exactly the same type as bad as the other one. The story doesn't make sense. The characters don't make sense. It has five hours in the middle of the season that didn't don't need to exist. Yep. Uh, and yet we finished it. Uh, because we, we were kind of like in the rain. and um, But yeah. Yes, that's my wow. Wow. Avengers Endgame. Thumbs up. <laughs> before before moving on quickly to the... We're going to talk about HBO Max. Yeah, about AMC for a second. You mentioned Paramount. Paramount Plus. I sent you a tweet about a 
piece of data about Top Gun Maverick and how it continues to perform so incredible that I just want to highlight for everyone. So Frank Palota from CNN has this, uh, this data point. So Top Gun Maverick is close to reaching $700 million in the domestic box office, which is officially more than Avengers Infinity War, not Endgame. And just to put that in perspective also of like the legs, in its 13th weekend, Top Gun Maverick, which was last week, made $5.6 million in the domestic box office. Infinity War, Avengers Infinity War, in its 13th weekend, barely made $400,000. So it made almost 15 times what, and it's going to continue to run. We've, we've talked about what a terrible slate for the rest of the, like, the next two months are in the movie theaters. But truly, truly, what a great movie. I'm going to try. I think I'm going to try to see it again in the, in, the, in, the, in theaters. And just crazy numbers. Yeah, it's the now the sixth highest grossing film of all time domestically, unadjusted for inflation. Impressive. And like you said, kind of the only thing that's had legs like this in probably since Avatar, I would say. Just off my gut, like at this scale. At that level? Yeah. Yeah. I think at, at that scale, it has to be something like that. Yeah. I will say, a pretty abysmal looking next few months at the theater. But that said, I am loving that IMAX has taken the opportunity just to work with studios to re-release things in IMAX. So like, oh, two, yeah. weeks ago, two weeks ago was E.T. for a week, which E.T.'s... Not my not my jam. Uh, this week it is Rogue One, which I am actually oh going to jam. go see this evening. Oh, I, yes. I will report back really? on uh, if I like it more. I think I might in a vacuum. I don't think I've seen it all the way through except for the first time when I was just severely what? disappointed it wasn't Gareth Edwards' really? best movie. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, we know that, but... I mean, I've watched clips of it. I think I've seen the whole thing in total maybe three times, but never like... In one sitting, you know? I'm going to try to watch it tomorrow because I don't think it's going to make it to the weekend. I think I've told you, the last 40 minutes of Rogue One are probably my favorite 40 minutes in any Star Wars movie. So if you haven't if you haven't watched it all the way through, the Scarif, all of the Scarif, yeah. it's fun. The visuals of the battles in space and coming in and down, it's very good. I'm excited I remember to it thinking it was Let me know. I remember thinking it was yeah. kind of video gamey, so I'm excited to hopefully not feel that way. The thing that stuck out to me was the destruction of Jeddah was cool. And sure. I will also say that when we saw uh, 3,000 Years of Longing the other night, fine. But I walked by the IMAX at the Metreon where it was playing, and I could, based on the score and the hum of a lightsaber, I knew it was the scene with Darth Vader, and I was like, mm. Should I just pop in here for a second? But I was like, by the time I get into this theater, it will be over. So, yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm cautiously excited, but expected, expecting just to kind of appreciate it for its parts. We'll see. That's yeah, it. we should say it's coming back because uh, Andor is, is premiering, I think, next week. And I think the point with Rogue One is that the story about, what's her name? Felicity Jones? Yeah, I'm trying name? to think. Jen Urso? Yeah, whatever. Her story <laughs> doesn't matter. Like, truly, I, I, I don't remember it. That's my problem with the it. movie, but yes. <laughs> completely. No, no, completely agree. Uh, sobra, as we say in Spanish, it's just like she's an, an extra, but yeah, excited to watch it. Yeah, uh, Jaws, is, Jaws is next week in IMAX, so I'll be there for that too. But all this to say... I think the last thing we want to really majorly touch on this week is AMC. <laughs> and there was this major, it was a cover story for Bloomberg last week around mm. Adam, Aaron, Aaron. How did we decide we're going to pronounce it? Did we go for Aaron? <laughs> you should do Aaron and I'll do Aaron. And cool. One of us will be right. Yeah. Hopefully. Him. CEO. Just a profile of him and just how he has turned this company not necessarily around, but into a bizarre meme stock. Mm. And just kind of wanted to reflect on that for a, a few minutes. Did you have a chance to read any of the covers this week? 
No, I didn't read the coverage, but I did see the, to your point, right? The, the definition of a meme stock is that people buy it because they believe other people will buy it because of the story that is being told on the internet and not because any underlying business value that the stock might have. And uh, the latest is that, and you might have more details from Bloomberg, is that apparently AMC is not able to um, create more of its stock without getting permission from the shareholders. And you might ask, why would a company want to create more stock? Well, if they create more stock and they're able to sell it and keep the price, they raise money. That's how they raise money in a public market. So if AMC strapped for cash, oh, this is a terrible slate for the rest of the year for movies, we'll raise some money, people are going to buy it because it's a meme stock. You know, we might hate it, but as a CEO and a company, good decision. You're taking advantage of the market situation, you want to do it. However because they can't do it without asking for the existing shareholder information, they were like, well, we're just going to create a new share type. We're going to call it a preferred share type. It's going to have the same voting as a common stock. We're going to give each common holder one of them, so that is one-to-one, and we're going to issue more. And because it can't be the same stock as the common one that already exists, we have to name it something else. And Carl, how did they decide to name it? AMC Preferred Equity or Stock Ticker Ape. Which, unfortunately, there's too much context here as to why it's called this. But the TLDR here is all the, the worst people on these communities on Reddit and Twitter and these meme stock investing communities decided that Adam was the silverback gorilla leading them, the, I guess, Planet of the Apes uprising against the hedge funds that were devaluing AMC because it's undervalued in the market. It wasn't. That's, yeah, that's kind of the TLDR there. But yeah, ape, they're rolling with it. They're rolling with it. Uh, But yeah, I mean, it's fascinating. I I mean... I think is the right decision. I think the problem, of course, is for most of the actual stakeholders, the because because of what they're doing, this is basically acting as if they split the shares. There are way more shares in the market, so each share is worth less. And if you had one of the original ones, now you have an ape one, your original war, now it's worth half or whatever, depending on the ratio. So even if overall you have the same one, if you agree with the strategy, you might be on board with it, but uh, I think some of the serious investors are starting to freak out a bit. And I don't wonder where all of this is going to end. I mean, we know finance, but we're not finance buffs, especially not in the market and with the regulation from the SEC. I don't know what can be done here. Uh, at the end of the day, part of the idea of the market is you, need, you let the market kind of regulate itself and takes care of the bad investments and the bad decision makers get wiped out. However, there does seem to be some protection that is needed, but I mean, all of these technologies are so commoditized. Everyone can buy any stock for free on their phone in 33 seconds or some, um, but yeah, AMC apes. Apes. And, and so far the gambit does seem to be at least holding it's a little down right now but the they, they wiped out six to eight dollars of value when they started trading the the ape stock against amc and the ape stock is now it's worth six it's been close to 750 some days yeah it seems like the overall this is a net probably loss i i don't have the the volume of shares here to, to confirm that but it's not. That it wasn't a horrific decision, and maybe that does leave them room to grow. Yeah, but they they are down. Are I think they're down half. No, I think when they announced the split, they were at eighteen, and now they're at nine. I mean, they they are uh, down half, half. But I'm looking at purely the the numbers of of the oh, actual yeah, cash yeah. holdings. Try to uh, contextualize it there. But yeah, they yeah 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 that does did lose value, but they also did create a new share. Regardless, weird decision. It's all about like 
courting these people. Apparently, he spends an hour a day on Twitter engaging with the ape community, as he calls it. So that's something. Uh, I, I wanted to read you this quote from his former manager at Hyatt, where he his whole career has actually been in hospitality and or creating loyalty programs for hospitality or travel. And okay. now this. So makes sense that he would be come in to, to lead a list and, and change that around. But his former manager said, quote, he has an almost Pied Piperish ability to attract people. He creates a sound, a song, a whistle from his pipe that will cause people to gravitate preferentially to whatever business in the sector that he is running. It's okay. Pipe Piper running instead of for what are is the Pipe Piper rats, kids, bunnies? What is the Pipe Piper like when he plays the flute? What does he? I always get those mixed up. If he's the one that like led all the children to their death or get rid of the rats or both. I think the rats, or maybe it's one of those that in one culture is one and the other culture is the other. Oh, it is both. Okay, here we go. Thank you, Wikipedia. Fantastic. He was a rat catcher hired to lure rats away, which he did. And then the the town didn't pay him, so he lured the children away too. <laughs> Dark. <laughs> um, but yeah, he's good at um, getting the apes behind me. But yeah, that, that, because the part of the story is that uh, Regal, who is owned by Cinema World, is the second largest um, theater chain in the world. Uh did they announce that they're filing for bankruptcy or did they officially file for bankruptcy? One of the two. Last I saw, they were potentially filing for bankruptcy and they weren't happy about the state of cinemas this fall, but does I can't find anything about them actually filing right now. Yeah, well, they should have become a meme stock before. They should have thought about it. Was um, that a Trump impression? What were you going for there? No, 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 just like... Blah, 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 blah. No, okay. definitely not. It's kind of Trumpy. It worked. I wouldn't uh, give him the satisfaction. <laughs> I, I think my my favorite detail from this is: I did you hear about their gold and silver mining investment? I think we talked about it. They bought a mine. Yeah, we we talked about it, but didn't really dig too much into it. Long and short of it is: huh? what uh, if we didn't? Uh, dig uh, 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 well done. Yeah. Sorry. We long and short of it here is that. What if his, like, business relations was, said, hey, I have a struggling gold and silver mine. It's a good investment. Do you want to invest? And it, he, they went to Nevada and invested in a struggling, dying gold and silver mine that has a lack of water used to, to mine the gold and silver. And also probably not that much gold and silver left, but because it was a good investment. So uh, it's something that Bloomberg opinion columnist Matt Levine called, quote, he said that, quote, AMC is a merchant bank that apparently helps small bit companies do meme-driven at-the-market offerings and take its equity for its fee. <laughs> it's, like, it's funny. Could be true. Yeah. So maybe AMC is just going to become a, a wacky holding company in this of businesses like a dying mine or, like, I don't know, maybe the MyPillow guy should ask for money. <laughs> we'll see. Yeah. We, weird business. Funny. It is terrifying we that were... the state of distribution of an art form I love is being driven in most major markets by this. You need to start driving to the Cinepolis. Did you say that there is a Cinepolis in the South Bay? Oh, in South Bay? I'm not going to the like South LA. Bay for a movie. Not even for Cinepolis? But it's crazy. I, I barely get to the East Bay for a movie. No, I'm not going to go to the South Bay. Sorry. I'm never eating your tahine popcorn or whatever. What was it? Takis popcorn? There is tahine. There is takis. Last time I went, they had Doritos, a natural one. You get a thing in the middle, so you get two types of popcorn in the same bucket. I feel like we should just have bingo at this point where we, we talk about Netflix. We talk about Top Gun Maverick. We talk about Movie Pass. We talk about the popcorn at Cinepolis. <laughs> We're hitting all the, the hits. So, conspicuously, I think the one thing missing this week is HBO Max's continuing implosion. Water Discovery has wiped out $3 billion worth of value over the last, basically, since we spoke to you last. It's a bit too much of, of a topic to catch up with in this episode. 
So we're going to do it next week. Yeah, it, it continues to develop. I think we'll also use next week. Have you watched House of Dragons yet? Are you going to watch House of Dragons? Why are you asking me, Aton? <laughs> you know I, I didn't know. watch I know. Game of Thrones. <laughs> I know, you know, but this is a prequel. It's disconnected. You don't need to know anything. I'm not going to watch gonna be a part prequel of to something I already inherently don't like. <laughs> oh, I mean, yes. But to be fair, on Friday is the um, premiere of Lord of the Rings, Rings of Power, which yeah. they released the last trailer last week, apparently, and I saw it today, and it still looks awful. Yeah. And I'm so worried that I'm just going to be like, I think I'm going to watch that and use Game of Thrones as a palate cleanser, which I'm very sad about, but it sounds like that's gonna how it's going to have to be. There was a tweet the other day that was like, the Lord of the Rings show might be the first TV show to ever premiere where... If it fails, the cost of your detergent will go up. <laughs> exactly. Which Things will arrive a funny. day later. I, I, I think, weirdly, we might have to... Uh, I might dispute that because, I don't know, a lot of detergent companies sponsored TV shows in the, the 50s, but point taken. It's uh, I, It looks like it might be a disaster. But, hey, we'll know. We'll know in a week. We'll know. Um... But yeah, it was it was uh, great catching up. Did you have any quick AUAs before we close out the the episode? I honestly thought about using any of these new news items as an AUA and introducing them, and just burned them all here. So no, I don't have another AUA. Besides, how was your vacation, which we already covered at the beginning? Of okay, this. <laughs> I have a very small AUA, which you might not be able to answer because maybe you haven't seen both of these. But I wanted to ask you if you've seen both trailers to the upcoming Pinocchio movies. Not the teasers, uh-huh. because... Okay. I have not seen either trailer in full, so okay. no. Homework for next week. The the Guillermo del Toro Netflix one came out, I think, like a month ago. The Disney Tom Hanks one came out. The Robert Zemeckis came out, I think, yesterday or two days ago. Watch them. We'll talk about them next week. Okay. That's awesome. Easy homework to do. Sounds good. Fantastic. Well, um, until then, thank you guys. We'll talk to you next week. Bye.